because there is deprivation in the north inner city, lots of it, we go, well, we need to tackle that. Stephen Termini, the American tourist who was attacked in Dublin city centre last week. We've neglected this whole area. We call it the north inner city. I have seen them injecting themselves. It's, it's absolutely dreadful. Dublin's north inner city has been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons in recent months, with several violent assaults only adding to the area's unsafe image. A succession of plans over the years have failed to tackle long-standing problems, such as drug addiction and poverty. But perhaps a new plan, published by the government in recent days, could change all that. The Dublin North Inner City Community Safety Plan contains 50 actions across several priority areas. And one action that stood out was the deployment of community safety wardens. But, as Irish Times Dublin editor Olivia Kelly explains, their ability to actually make the community safer seems limited. They are really more sort of tourist information guides working on events or, you know, giving information around yeah. Christmas time to shoppers and telling them where, where they can access a public toilet. And while it remains to be seen if community wardens will have the desired effect in the capital, further north in Derry and Straban, lead community safety warden there, Peter Evans, has made real inroads when it comes to youth engagement. If you use the right body language and you're not aggressive and you're not too much authority in this situation, we tend to find that they will engage with us, they will talk. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today... After years of decline, has Dublin's north inner city finally gotten a plan that could work? Olivia, you've written that there's yet another plan to turn around Dublin's north inner city. The yet implies that this plan is not the first. What were the previous ones? Well, I I suppose what we will have seen over and a very long time, maybe we're talking 40, going on to 50 years now, are problems in this part of the city, across the north inner city, but maybe concentrated in the northeast inner city in more recent years, associated with increases in violent crime, associated more latter years with gangland crime. But from maybe the late 70s and early 1980s on, it would have been the influx of drugs, particularly heroin, that blighted that area of the city. And um, we'll all know the famous politicians from back in, th- in that era, Tony Gregory and others like him, Joe Costello, who, who advocated for plans, for strategies to deal with those parts of the city. Now there were, and sometimes they might have focused on housing, sometimes they might have focused on, on street crime, say things like handbag snatching or breaking into cars. And from time to time, they would be successful in eradicating certain types of crime or successful in providing uh, housing to replace tenement slums. But there's never been anything that sort of lifted that community out of their lower levels of educational attainment than the, the national average or the higher levels of, of crime they'd experience then, again, statistically, the, the national average or the city average, indeed. So I needn't be cynical and think, hold on a second, this plan is just quickly rolled out because of the issues facing Dublin city centre during the summer. I think you'd be right to be a little bit cynical because uh, of the nature of this particular plan. To call it woolly wouldn't be unfair 
it it sounds impressive when you look at it. You know, it's this is this is they're calling it the North Inner City Local Community Safety Plan, and it has fifty actions and their actions with target dates, and that all sounds great. But when you look at it, a lot of the actions are improve community engagement, and then the the method of doing that will be to engage with the community. You know, it's sort of and it's well meaning. I do think. But I, I do think a lot of it is repetitive. A lot of the 50 actions, I can see them, some of them essentially state the same. I don't see anything here to be impressed by or for anyone to think I will be grand now and, and the fortunes of, of this part of the city will, will be turned around. Now, you've said that it's not too dissimilar to a previous report, the mm. Mulvey report. Yeah. Um, when was that drawn up uh, and did it have any success? That or? would have been over uh, 2016, 2017. Um, and uh, I think Kieran Mulvey, uh, a lot of people would know him as an industrial relations expert. Uh, he reported in 2017 and then there was an action plan out of that. I think it has had success in, uh, say, an increase of sporting facilities in the area, um, in, you know, education outreach in in sort of reducing maybe truancy levels. I think it has had some of those sorts of successes. But and it's important to say that this plan, you know, it's it's whatever from 2017 now, the action plan will maybe have started rolling out in 2018. It's still working through, as in this new plan hasn't replaced the Mulvey plan in some way. And in a way, it's odd that we're suddenly being landed with this because a lot of it is already in the Mulvey plan and that is working its way through. So you leaves me sort of wondering why why we need this new plan. Um, it could be seen, of course, as a reaction to the very recent spate of, of violent crime. But I think this was already in the works because there are, are local uh, community safety plans in other cities. And I think this is, this is you know, the version that they had planned for this part of the city. It's not to say that's in any way harmful that there is the Mulvey plan and now there is this plan and it, it in the plan it's it's acknowledged you know it, it will work in tandem with the Mulvey plan and I suppose if that means extra resources to bolster what's already being done there well that's great or perhaps other issues have emerged since the Mulvey plan the, the the issue of the of the attacks on people seeking international protection that wasn't such a, a a big issue at the time of the Mulvey plan. So if there is a need, and that is mentioned in this, although the, the strategy for it is, again, a little bit woolly. So if there is a need for, for new measures to address issues that weren't there previously, I can see the merit in that. So this might sound an incredibly obvious question, but where does the plan come from? Who, who's over the plan? Whose well, plan is it? It's it's a plan from well, it's it's launched by the Minister for Justice. It's there'll be a, a local community safety partnership organization set up to run this. It involves everyone really, anyone that you can think of who may be involved in the city. So it's business organizations, it's Dublin City Council, it's community groups, it's the Gardaí, all coming together to try and improve the the fortunes of, of this part of town. Now, as you say, there are 50 elements in this plan. The one that I think probably got a lot of attention was the notion that it's going to be community wardens. Now, last November it was announced that community wardens would patrol Dublin's North Intercity under a new pilot project. 
aimed to tackle antisocial behaviour. These wardens, it was announced, would be employed by Dublin Town. And that's the umbrella body for business. Um, so they're, they're not Dublin City Council or they're not state employees. Did the plan ever get off the ground? This is just restating that. And, and yes, they, they are already in place in those pilot areas like Wolftone Square. You might see them. I think they generally have pink bibs on them. They are really more sort of tourist information guides. You know, they do have a mandate if, if they see people who may need social services, like people who may need uh, referrals onto homelessness or addiction services. Uh, they, they're equipped with the information to give those people in practice, you know, whether for their own safety, whether they, they do that. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. But yes, so the, the, the wardens that are mentioned in in the plan just published are those wardens. But, you know, again... So they're not different wardens. No, it's So they they it's that pilot scheme yeah. made larger. Yeah, so, well, if, I don't even know if it's made larger. It may just be that pilot scheme because there are a lot of elements of this plan that have start dates of, of you know, uh, 2022. So the, the plan is listing 50 actions, some of which have already started, and, and those would be one of them. But again, there's very little information in the plan on, and, and it's woolly information on what the community wardens will do. And it's already led to confusion with a, a Fine Gael politician saying on radio that they'd be the eyes and ears of the guards and if, if people in the community wanted information passed on to the guards the community wardens would do that and then you had the chief executive Richard Guiney of Dublin Town stepping in going oh well no not exactly they're the people you see on the street giving information to tourists or giving information to, to, to vulnerable people who may need referral onto services so you know it's I wonder it's is already... the I wonder is the problem the word warden because if you have you know, are they still called this? Maybe not. You know, dog wardens. They have got a, a they do something involving the law. You know, they, they have a statutory they obligation. Have a statutory obligation. Yes, indeed, exactly. Indeed. Like parking wardens. You know, that's, that's, I think, what we think of when we think of the word warden. We don't think of somebody who, you know, will give you directions uh, to the tourist office. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. a major confusion, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. There, there could have been, I think, a, a, a better, a better term that, yeah, that sounds less, that sounds less quasi guardy because I think that's an issue the Gardaí had as well, you know, that are, are these, there was a, a guard on the, the uh, president of the Garda Representative Association was on saying, I hope this is an attempt to provide policing on the cheap. Again, Richard Kiney had to step in and go, no, they're just people who are going to say, here's where you go and see the Book of Kells. For the community wardens, you've told us it's a, it's a pilot programme and that perhaps this new community warden element will be built on that pilot program. How much are they paid? And is it a, a 24 hour a day job or is it? I don't actually yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Like I, they, I've, I've had the impression up until now there's they, that they've been, because it's a pilot, just staff of Dublin Town, of that organisation, who they might have had anyway, working on events or, you know, giving information around yeah. Christmas time uh, to shoppers and sure. telling people during the pandemic where they can get yeah. a toilet, not many yeah. places, but telling them where, where they can access a public toilet. 
Right. Okay. Well, that that does raise a question. Really, should they even be part of this plan, though? Well, I can see how they have merit in certain ways beyond scenarios I just described of the, the giving information to people. They can also act as a conduit for information for the city council or for Dublin bids, but in terms particularly of the litter problem. So the littering is very obvious on the main streets, but on side streets, and it, it often doesn't get reported, but does build up and then causes problems with vermin and just makes those side streets feel less safe as well. And they can, they're not street cleaners, but they can say, we've a particular problem here and say Mary's Lane or that's a, a side street off Capel Street. And can we get a crew down here? So I, I think they, they do have that sort of function. They may also have a function if they have some sort of hotline to the Gardaí to say, here, there's a, a fight about to break out here, wherever it might be, Wolftone Square. Do you have any personnel in the area? And hopefully they do have personnel in the area because we've just heard that they're, they're getting, you know, in recent weeks that there's going to be an extra 10 million for Gardaí in the city. So hopefully that can be more reactive. Did the plan give any idea how many community wardens there would be? Or even how many is in the pilot, actually? Do we know? No, no. Again, very woolly. And and another thing that, you know, I'm sure you're going to ask me how much has has been put into this. Well, that's the other thing. It's always about money. There is no costings with this plan, which is a bit of of a concern. Peter Evans is the lead community safety warden for the Derry-Straban area. And in the past, he has met with the Dublin North Inner City Local Community Safety Partnership. So he understands the issues there. Here, he explains how his teams patrol a number of areas, both urban and rural. Basically how it works is we we cover actually the whole uh, council district area. So that takes in urban and rural, depending you know, uh, on the different areas within the council district. And within that, we have a number of, uh, we have a number of teams. Uh, and the district is then broken down into various areas and a team's allocated to each area. We have a number of day shifts. Um, and the day shifts, we uh, predominantly would be out meeting youth groups, older people's groups, and any sort of the educational side of things that need to be done. And then from Thursday through to Sunday, um, we would be out in patrol. So we would be working from half five at night to three o'clock in the morning. And that can be, the uh, we're out in vehicles. Some of us are out in mountain bikes. And we could be dealing with ongoing issues and also coming across new issues. We then have uh, various partners within the scheme as well. And that's the main part of the scheme is the partnership. And that's how it works. So... Our main partners would be the likes of Northern Ireland Housing Executive, um, the Education Authority, the PSNI, uh, mainly their neighbourhood teams, their you know their neighbourhood officers, um, the Health Trust, um, so that would bring in sort of the social services side of things and stuff. And between the lot of us, we we feed information to each other about ongoing issues and. Uh, things that maybe need a, a bit of attention, a bit of engagement with young people, um, vulnerable people. And we just, through a, a system of patrolling these areas, we pick up on these different issues and work together to try and bring a, you know, a resolve to it at the end. Getting through to younger people is one of the biggest challenges for this plan. Engaging groups on the street can be an intimidating prospect, and it was the same in Derry. But 
Peter has evolved his approach over time. A lot of it's down to, uh, you know, engagement is the main thing. The idea behind it all is to try and find out why they're doing what they're doing. Um, you know, why they're picking to be in that particular area and everything else. Again, we go back to the partnership. We can do this at different levels. Now, we've dealt with crowds of 2030. The biggest crowd we've dealt with has been in excess of 600, where, you know, a, a local park was getting completely taken over. And what you tend to find with um, the majority of young people are good kids. You know, they are good kids. Um, you will always get the small minority that aren't going to listen. And when you approach a crowd like that, you use, we call them people skills, but you read the body language of people. When you rock up, um, you tend to find that the people that don't want trouble coming to their door will automatically turn away. They won't look at you. They'll maybe walk off. And the, 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 the ringleaders will be left. And we sort of always work off the, the, the thing that if you have a crowd of about 50, there will only be four or five main ringleaders. And the rest are what we call add-ons that come along for the crack and everything else. We would approach them. Um, and a lot of times we find that they are, uh, if you use the right body language yourself and you're not aggressive and you're not sort of too much authority in this situation, we tend to find that they will engage with us, they will talk. We will ask them to move on. If they refuse to move on, we'll work with them a bit more. We'll maybe see if we need to bring a, some type of youth intervention in. And then we've also then, again, we'll go back to our partners. If we do need to remove alcohol, well, we have the PSNA that'll come and do that, you know, and that is their role. We, we don't carry an enforcement rule. We didn't want to carry an enforcement rule because we thought it would have a negative effect. Uh, particularly when we have those that work along with us that have those powers to do that. Um, but again, I say that's that's something we, we, we work up to. We would rather get the young people to work with us and then we can sort of find out, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. Is there anything that we can do as a grouping to help them? Is there anything some of our partners could do to help them? It's not a perfect world and I'm not going to say that works every time. And sometimes you don't have an option but to deal with it a bit more robustly at the time. That's when we call on our partners, such as the, the neighbourhood police and stuff, and they will come and do deal with it and, uh, and uh, you know, to get it moved on. Drug addiction and drug dealing has long been an issue in Dublin's inner city, something Peter feels can be addressed if the public are more inclined to report what they see. What we find we can do, if somebody reports something like that to us or we come across it, usually if we come across it ourselves, we can speak to the police because they'll be in contact with us. You know, there's not a shift goes by that we don't come across neighbourhood officers uh, and, and, and we work, you know, so we can pass that on then. The other side of that is we try to build confidence with the public to report these type of things direct to the police. That is one of the biggest problems that we have and I'm... I'm Pretty certain uh, North Dublin will have the same issue as getting people to, re, re, you know, to um, report stuff. And it's all a matter of building confidence and folk that they can do that. You know, it is OK to do this and giving them the confidence to use the different agencies that are there to help them. Again, with drugs, too, sometimes it's not even the enforcement side. It's making um, different voluntary groups that deal with people with um uh, addiction issues and stuff, that there is a problem in a particular area. I'll continue my conversation with Olivia Kelly after this short break. 
what else is in the plan? Look, I know you can't go through the, the 50, but um, there are five priority areas outlined yeah. in the plan. What, what are they? Drugs and, and health and antisocial behaviour, that's grouped together. Family, youth and community also grouped together. Education and lifetime learning. Uh, integration, ethnic and multi-faith inclusion. Sorry, that's all the one. And then the physical environment. Now, the integration, ethnic and multi-faith inclusion, mouthful. That's what I referred to earlier, the, the issues that have been dealt with. Well, there's a, obviously a number of issues there, but one of them would have been the the sort of the, the not great welcome uh, people seeking international protection have had in some parts of the, the north inner city. And sometimes that has not been generated by local people. It's been people who've been bussed in and because they have a particular agenda and believe that these people seeking international protection and fleeing war shouldn't be in our country. So that would be one of the elements of combating that. But again, you know, it's the sort of when you get down at the end of, of the document to the, the 50 actions, it doesn't mention that specifically. It just says uh, things like to make people aware of their their rights and obligations around people of different uh, minority groups and different ethnicities and it's kind of anyone reading that would say well what does that mean what what are my obligations what am I meant to do very little is outlined there now maybe 50 actions and you can't elaborate too yeah. much but there there's very little there there's there's also a bit that might make people excited and that's that's the the uh, physical environment because as we know a lot of work was done by the council around the Grafton Street area, around the side streets coming off Grafton Street and South William Street. And they did that physical job first of putting in new granite paving. And then that led to, in, on some streets, pedestrianisation. So people might say, oh, we're we going to have some of this nice stuff mm. around here. But again, it does mention O'Connell Street and Talbot Street, but it's things like improving lighting and uh, and greening and enhanced cleaning. And you're kind of there going, what are we getting? Are we going to get some some nice new, it says things like greening interventions and, and enhancement of surfaces. Now, what mm. does that mean? Like, are they going cleaning to replace, <laughs> yeah, are they just going to clean things yeah. or are they going to replace broken that sort of 1980s brickwork that might have been put down in some of the pedestrianised streets. It's and coming or, you know, up, yeah. You know, what, what are they going to do? Mm. Again, woolly. Are there timelines? Does it, do, is there any deadlines for any of the action plans saying that they will be completed by next number of months, by well, 2024? What? Well, that's the thing. There are, there are timelines attached to almost every action, but they can be timelines as in from 2024 to 2026. So starting next year and we hope to have achieved this by 2026. Or other timelines will be, we'll say from 2022 as in from last year and ongoing, which would be the things around litter. Obviously, that's not a thing that we're just going to stop doing in 2026. Um, and I think the 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 wardens possibly is is an ongoing project as well, although maybe as a pilot basis, it might have that that two year time frame. I suppose the thing, Olivia, about a plan like this is that it does give a sense that there is in fact somebody in charge of Dublin City, because I think there was a feeling, and it sort of grew and maybe took hold during the summer, that there was nobody really in charge. Yes, and I think possibly this plan will be. Uh, 
provide a reassurance for people who are living in these areas. And maybe they'll read some of these and they'll go, oh, that one. Great. That's the thing I've always wanted. And because this is a community safety plan, perhaps I can get involved. Now, that's presupposing a lot of nice things. that People read these sorts of plans and that people have that enthusiasm, aren't so beaten down by what they see around them that they do want to get involved. Yes, it does have that sort of element of, well, these are the people who are in charge of this. So if I wanted to get involved or if I just wanted to report an incident, I know now these are the people I can go to. But again, perhaps there's too many people in charge. You know, is it do I go to this Dublin town, Dublin business organisation? Do I go to the city council? Do I go to the Gardaí? Do I go to the local community forum? Maybe, yes, you can choose from those options. And is it a sense that the election is is on the horizon, not the not the far horizon, it's on the horizon. Is there a sense that these action plans will be a stick to beat local politicians? I wouldn't have thought so, as in an idea of kind of like, but your action plan came out and what have you done? I'd say that would give the the too much weight to the action plan and to the fact that, and to the notion that people in those areas, when people are knocking on their doors, will have the action plan in their hand and say, well, pointing to number action number thirty five. What are you doing about that? Perhaps some people will. Perhaps that's the you know they're that level of of proactive engagement with their local politicians. But I'd be doubtful. These plans, they're communicated presumably through, you know, various press offices and so on. How do people on the ground hear about them? Well, you would hope that people read the Irish Times and that's where they get their information from. But you would hope in relation to some of the of the actions in this because they're community focused, that people are are actually approaching them, you know, approaching people outside schools or in community centres and saying, hey, we have this new programme are you interested in it? It may be an education outreach program or it may be a sports program or it may be can people in this in the local community say, well, I, I'd like a job as a community warden and I can go along. I'm sure they can go along and uh, to Dublin bids. Perhaps that recruitment process for the pilot is over at the moment, but they could say, keep me in mind for the future, maybe. Thanks very much, Olivia. Thanks, Bernice. That's it for today. For more of Olivia Kelly's reports on issues affecting Dublin, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by John Casey. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>